0: Microphone with abalone All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent whatever it is we represent. Put me down for clean air and sanity. Uh, you got
1: something? <laughs> no, I, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> it looked like you had something.
1: I got No, I got nothing for this. I'm, yeah. I'm
0: represent yeah. represent represent uh clean air insanity i am Ryland grant screenwriter ringo award-winning creator of fine comics like aberrant Banjack, suicide jockeys and now ah, shang origins the other voice in the dark the man in the box to the left is uh
1: david avaloni film and television writer comic book writer mm-hmm. coffee achiever
0: Love it. If you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes and many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes and other purveyors of worthwhile earcracks, so double on back and check them all out. Uh, Great show for you today, Um, but we should get some plugs in. Avaloni, what do you got to... uh... I think
1: uh, Shakespeare Unleashed is still going to be going on the Kickstarters. Um... That's a collection of horror stories with a Shakespearean background, and I did a uh, uh, horror short based on Richard III for that, which uh, is being drawn by a great Italian artist named Helena Masellis. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Uh, in the in the standard of the of the world of comic books, we have, of course never communicated uh, outside of an email. Right. And uh, also coming up next week maybe would be uh elvira in horror land number three our alien issue uh geiger encounter and nice. uh what do you got
0: uh i am still lost in the film and tv weeds but sure. you can you can go to your local comic shop and pick up the uh suicide jockeys trade paperback which is doing That's very right. well and people seem to be uh enjoying and if you hop over to the immortal studios website uh immortal studios.com you can pick up issue one of fashing origins my wuxia kung fu epics, so uh check those out um neat but why don't we bring our guest on it's a good one this time yes
1: everyone well lo- please welcome adam lawson hey adam hello oh. <laughs> trying to get to that rylan <laughs> level of
2: intro one. i don't know if i quite hit the wwe level that you hit with that uh but i'm trying it, i'm uh, trying now. I, I actually
0: I, I toned it down this week. Uh Whoa, the last that's the
2: tone weeks, down. <laughs> yes, yeah, that toned down. down. <laughs> the,
0: the The last two weeks, I went a little. Uh, you know, on a scale of one to ten, I was I was hitting about a twenty five. So uh, I brought it <laughs> down, brought it down to a twelve today. So um,
1: I love it because well, it, pretty- it allows me to be not the loudest person in the room, which is such a rare experience for me that I I relish it every time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's no, good. Why, why don't you tell the kids at home just a little bit about yourself before we dive in?
2: Yeah, so I'm a television showrunner, comic book, and game maker as well. Um, and so my, my recent series, uh, Escape the Night, we ran for four seasons. I was a writer, director, showrunner, and it was a fantasy horror series. Um, we won a lot of awards, had a lot of magical times going back in time to horror fantasy settings. And, um, and, uh, and also... Do a lot in the game space, not only like from a television standpoint, a lot of celebrity board gaming, Dungeons and Dragons Dragons, and Magic the Gathering shows. i made multiple games. I made a board game actually for Escape the Night, uh, which my star and I, Joey Gustafa, created and launched on Kickstarter. It was a big success. And then I also have a role-playing game called The Sunder. So uh I I I think that's been kind of my thing is taking um games and merging them with television in in some sort of way um and escape the night if you've never seen it it's essentially people live the tv show this cast so the stars don't know what's going to happen they're in costume they live it we blow up cars in front of them they get tackled they have to solve clues um and they're getting killed off and it all happens in real time it's uh probably the hardest way to shoot tv but it's uh oh yeah
1: it seems like it
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a it's a two hundred and fifty man like wheeling circus, um, <laughs> but to do it, but it's uh, it's it's really exciting. And so, uh, that's that's me in a nutshell.
1: What's funny about that is it, that sounds like turning being a a, D, a, a a game master, a dungeon master, into being a showrunner. Like you're basically uh, doing the same thing. You have you have your players, and you're surprising them, yes. and you're leading them through a story, and you know hope, hoping they survive. <laughs> And all of that. David, I think you you said it fast. That's that's really what it
2: is. And you know, in my and while it's going, you know, you have ten cameras rolling. And they're all cinema cameras, and you have this world plan and clues and things that all trigger when they open a secret door. It works for real. Everything has to work for real, which is why it's so hard. Right. You can't cheat right. anything. Um, right. But what is fun about it is that I'm also in the ears of the other actors. So I've written dialogue for them, but then in real time, I'm changing it. As in. You have this much time to come up with a new line, right. wow. and so it's uh, uh, it's truly dungeon master skills in that area where you have to react real time. And uh, uh, it was it was tough, you know, the network. It was so tough to be on set because it's essentially you, you know, this this unending sort of sprawl of chaos, and it shoots all real time, so you don't cut and reset. You go, so you mm-hmm. live an episode over the course of a day of shooting, it was just so demanding. The network usually couldn't handle being on set it was just the stress was so
1: was too high they'd be like adam sure. this is this is great you've taught all potential tv writers out there an interesting lesson uh create something that makes the executives too uncomfortable to be on set i think is a that's a that's a good career goal um you know get them out of your get them out of your hair but <laughs> I, I,
2: that was my secret
1: yeah i will say that it's an interesting i've never made that connection before but being a dungeon master, being a game master, it really—it's—it's it's the best improv training in the world. I mean, you know, yeah, you have a plan, but the players are going to do what they're going to sure. do, and you got to really be able to, you know, you got to be able to serve the ball back over the net every single time without it seeming like, oh man, look at his yeah. eyes—he's lost. <laughs> he has no idea what, what what's supposed to happen yeah. next, you know. But uh, right, yeah, and that
2: that that is the. That's the fun of it, right and I think it, it was that, that you could craft something I mean you had a skeleton right it was you know they had to get through door go through door a and end out you know door B right but what you could develop real time and the, the things that would happen spontaneously it was really uh, quite, not, not quite like anything else and, um, and I love that experience that occurs where the creation's happening in before your eyes.
0: Yeah, sure. and it's a, it, it's, it's a skill set that develops over time also, right? I mean, the totally. your, your, your first episode is, um, I mean, shit show is the wrong word, but it's a shit show, right? I mean, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, you, you prepare as much as possible. Everybody has a plan until they get hit. You show up on set, you get hit over and over and over again, okay. and you make it through yeah. by the skin of your teeth. But then 20 episodes in, 30 episodes in. You're you are a seasoned war vet, and you are and 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 and, and, and you are thriving in chaos, right? I mean, you're.
2: That's right. You you build for it. I think you mentioned that like season three. I was always my favorite season. We did four, um, and it was you know set in the '70s in this small town that like this this haunted carnival had taken over, and um, and it was um, and it was it was where all the pieces that you'd learned fully plus the other cast the location your your ideas for the script fully unified i'm sure you guys know this you know as a writer let's say you write something and then when all the pieces come together you're like shoot that's not good enough or i this could have been a better thing but sometimes you can align the right actors the right script the right setting the right you know implementation because sometimes people underestimate how significant the execution is and how it can just undermine and like when those all sing, it's it's quite the it's quite the chorus.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, we we have looking at your IMDb page. It's uh, it's as messy as mine, and I mean that as the highest yeah. compliment in the world. Uh, I, I've also done a bunch of. We, we, I think you're the only other person we've had on the show who's a former first assistant director, as I am. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, it's I I always I advocate for it. I think it, the most you can know right. about production. Uh, you'll be a better director, a director who's never been a first AD, never been an editor, never been a producer, never been an actor, never been a script supervisor. You're at, you're, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage actually, because you don't know what everyone is doing. (laughs) You know, that's right. It's harder to just take the
2: whole set and maneuver it because you know, the nuances of each play of each task. And so you can take charge when it's, when you're, especially when you're doing something very new, right? Yeah. Like in, like with Escape the Night, the network literally, you know, season one was like, Adam, we think this show won't work, but because it's YouTube and your star will just let you just do this because we think it's not going to work, and Ooh. and the cat and the crew was even like, Adam, I'm not really sure how this works. I'm like, and so you have to leave, when you're doing something really unknown, and then it really pays off because if you're doing something unknown and then you don't know the execution of it, yeah. th- then. Then you usually collapse, right? Whereas I think you can really step into the unknown, like you're saying, once you have the real footing of where each role and 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 what each person's is doing, um, really, really pays off.
1: Yeah, and you know, and it's not like this is a thing that goes away with success or experience. You know, I remember Tom Hardy <laughs> didn't think George Miller knew what he was doing when they were shooting Fury Road, and he was angry for <laughs> six months out in the desert. <laughs> and at a, I there was, I think, when it opened at con, he was like, I need to apologize to you. Holy shit, did you know what you were doing? And I didn't know what you were doing. And that's on me. And I should have trusted you and not been mad at you all the time because I didn't know what the hell you were trying to do here. Um, so it can, you know, it can happen to anyone. But it, it, I think it is an interesting matrix to, you know, the role playing game world and the television world, movie world. And the comic book yep. world, which, you know, we've all dabbled in a little bit. And the role-playing game world can be a bit of a mystery to people who are not inside it. It's actually the first gig oh. I ever had was working for West yeah. End Games, writing for, no the Parano- okay. writing for the Paranoia Game and actually writing a little bit for the Star Wars game. And uh, hmm. it's, you know, it's a, it's a language to learn, mm. uh, totally. but it's all. You know, it's still storytelling and it's still figuring out a way to, to make everything in those, uh, in those parameters.
0: It is such a massive market also, you know, yeah. um, I mean, my, uh, Suicide Jockeys was released by SourcePoint Press and SourcePoint Press started out as a, um, as a comic book company and they are a very good, uh, comic book company. Um, yeah. but yeah but uh as as sort of kickstarter took shape over these last couple of years they launched a gaming division called deepwater games and they very quickly realized that there was a lot more money to be made in games than there was in comic books uh, and so
2: it's just no question It's just no yeah
0: yeah. yeah, and, and so Sourcepoint has continued, and they're doing well, and and a foothold in the industry, and they've become tastemakers the whole nine yards. But Deepwater Games is now this—they're printing money with Deepwater Games, and I, you know, I don't, I don't mean that in, in a derogatory sense. Um, it, 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 Deepwater Games became so successful uh, that there was a the the two companies were under one banner, and there was one CEO. But Deepwater Games became such a Juggernaut success that, that the CEO of the married company had to had to leave the comic book company and sort of spin Deepwater Games off into its own uh, uh, you know sort of outfit, um, and so now they are separate entities.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so I think in many ways, I think in many ways, you know, it's like comic books are tricky uh, to make money and it's incredibly tricky yeah. uh, without some other element tied into it, right? And board gaming is a wonderful way. To make enough money to support this passion, and in a lot of ways, you know, like comics is is truly a, like a labor of love. Especially when you think that like the only guys who are really making money are are Japanese mangakas, right? Like that's the only people really walking home with it, right? You know, Tatsuki Fujimoto, right, who writes and draws Chainsaw Man, is doing better than the entire Marvel DC catalog <laughs> right. as one guy. You know he's outselling their both their catalogs every month Mm -hmm. as one person, and so I think it's like you're saying, building that games division is like is brilliant, (laughs) so that you can then take risks in comics, right? Because you're not like just like oh terrified every time. Oh yeah,
1: you know as much as I you know I deplore some of the low page rates and all of that, I always tell people run a Kickstarter and publish a paper comic book sometime and learn how hideously tight those margins are. And you might be just a tiny bit more forgiving for that page rate that you got offered by that, you know, seventh largest publisher of comics. Cause, and it's, right. you know, to me, it's a pity. And I wish that there was a successful way to evangelize comics. Comics are a, one of those popular mediums of the world everywhere, but the United States, you know, every totally. Italy, Italy respects comic books. France respects po- comic books. Japan respects comic books just not here and totally. it's Japan, big time know, and it and it affects the but that said it's uh and it's also something I was thinking about this the other day actually and I think it's worth bringing up here uh I feel like more comics people need to be honest about how they survive <laughs> uh you know my wife used to <sighs> produce and produce and star in burlesque shows and she was as successful at it as you can possibly be it never made her a dime though and you know, every every time there would be some other person whose success, quote unquote, she was jealous of, it would be like, oh, that woman opened a dance studio. I'm like, her husband bought it. You know, like they, like there's always yeah. a secret. There's always a there's a settlement. Yeah. You know, or there's a That's exactly or, right. there's a settlement or there's a spouse. And like for myself, I do okay writing comic books comparatively. It took me a while to get there. Right. Without my wife, I would have no health insurance. <laughs> you know, my wife is an IOTC oh, really? member, and that's what pays for my, you know, keep keep the old man alive. Um, and uh, and I think more people need to be honest about like, if you think you're just gonna make a good living just doing comic books, I wish you all the luck in the world with that. But the more right. you can diversify, the more you can find other things to draw or write. And also these things all build one another. I, you know, I couldn't get arrested in Hollywood as a writer for ever and went off and became a comic book writer. And suddenly I was interesting to produce my 30 years of making independent films. Screw that. That's bullshit. Nobody cares about that. Oh, but you wrote some comic books. You know, you should write movies and television. Now it's like, I'm this. Okay you know like fair I'll, I'll i'll take it but uh you know it's no i, I think
2: you're totally right i, I think you're a hundred percent right with that you know that they are a, a, a tricky uh, a medium in the u.s and in some part as much as i love marvel and dc and what they have created i in in some ways they built that box because in europe when you uh, particularly in france right which is the second biggest market in the world outside of japan or if you look at the japanese market they're not just about people in capes and tights right. they've they're a matured experience where it's like oh i just bought this graphic novel and it's this crime thriller and right. you're a 35 year old woman just going home to, to read that and no one thinks you're a comic book yeah. person you just and so we've created this unusual stigma within in the u.s comic book market that's kind of been controlled by those two entities which not you know good or for evil right not that there's all have been bad but I think it's built like this box yeah. that is really unfortunate. Same thing in animation, right? Disney did the same thing; they made it a kids' machine. So yeah, then yeah. when you leave the U.S. and you go to European animation or to Japan, there's just a story and it's animated, and it, yeah.
1: it's not like oh, it has to be targeted at kids. No, we it, built these unusual that boxes about in the that, West. Yeah, is it's not there's so much adult, and I mean you know mature, not you know. Not pornographic, yeah. God, just not pornographic. Porn porn so Adult yeah. material in comics and in animation. And we still Holy. you still get the guy writing the op-ed that's like bam, biff pow. It's not just for kids anymore. It's like that was bullshit in the eighties. And it's so <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah. There, there, there,
0: yeah, I mean, there still is this barrier to entry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, when, totally. you compare it, when you when you compare it to adult films or whatever, you know, and and this is less the case because of the internet now. But it's like if if you wanted to get adult movies, adult magazines, whatever, there used to be this gross cave that you had to go into. You know, right. was like, there was a guy in the there was a guy in a trench coat in the in the back lurking, and uh, you know, and 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 when you think about it, I mean, you know, that's a cliche, but there's truth to it. I mean, uh, you know, I. I I lived in, in Los Feliz for the longest time, right by AFI. And we had the X spot, we had the X spot right down the street. And and that was still going on. And they didn't bulldoze that place until like five years ago, you know? Um, Wow. And, 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 you know, so you had that and you still have these things. It was funny. I was just in Greece and they're everywhere. Um, But, uh, but, but, but if, (laughs) if you look at it, Buying comics is a very similar experience. You know what I'm saying, and and totally. mi- mi- minus minus the disgusting guy in the trench coat and the fact that you might, yeah. have, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but but it's that sort of thing. Again, if if, if you're totally. like you said, if you are a 35 year old woman who is a lawyer and, and and is interested in something, you you know, and you live in Detroit, you 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 usually have to go into some dark cave that smells weird. And there are a, a bunch of gross dudes in there who are going to leer at you. And you're going to take one step in and you're yeah. going to fucking leap out the
1: door. Yeah. Right? And, and, and also, you know, if you're going into a comic book store to buy adult material for adults, and I'm, again, I mean, you know, just like... <laughs> mature, yeah. If you're going into a comic book store to buy literature, no matter what comic book store it is, you are walking past a six-foot-tall statue of Spider-Man yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like to in order to in, in order to pick a copy of Moby Dick off the off the shelf, you don't have to like trip over a standee of James Bond.
2: Yeah, you that's know right. in the,
1: in the literature section. Yeah, yeah. you know it's no. I've I've often of, felt that. Oh, no, by the thing with the explosions and the guns, it's like no. I, I'm I'm actually here for the Great Gatsby, but thank you. Uh, that's got one gun. Right. In it, so there's that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know. well, that's what I feel like. Why manga wins so well because it has such a place at Barnes and Nobles. Yep. And it, the barrier to entry is so easy. You come into Barnes & Noble's, which have a really wonderful retail experience um, that's well thought through. It's laid out well. Anyone can feel comfortable there. And then you go to this shelf and they're all in these nice, clean books, one through whatever number. Right. And you can really effectively get into it, right? Yeah. And I look at that and I'm like, why are Western companies, have not learned from this experience that we've built a retail shop, like you're saying- Yeah. That we are are just creeping past Spider Man, ducking under Batman to get to like this, you know, flickering fluorescent light in the corner, right? Instead of like, why isn't the comic book shop a rad cafe with cool leather couches and great lights and hip design? So it's like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's but it's still it's still it's so hard to overcome that well, stigma. Yeah, we we I mean, we have some of that,
0: you know what I'm saying? I mean, because because uh, Avalonia, I have done retailer uh, uh, shows and oh, cool. and we had cool. um, uh, uh, w- 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 what is the um, the the store in Burbank? Uh, oh, sure.
1: we had uh, Tiffany from Perky Nerd in and that's yeah. a very yeah. like that is a curated, She's totally cool. I've been to that shop, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: cool. yeah, yeah. And she, oh, yeah, 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 I'm in
2: Burbank. yeah, yeah serves, serves and, cold brew and
0: yeah, and that's yeah. an experience. And 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 where I came up in LA, uh Meltdown Comics, it was a it was a community center. There was a comedy club in the back of it. Um it was, it was like a scene on Friday. It was, you know, it it, yeah, it became more of that. It cool. And and there needs to be more of that. And and you know, to tell you the truth, I think, you know, I think Adam, what you're talking about, it's why Kickstarter thrives because um right. because it does have a different, it has a different it look, it different it has a different feel. And more importantly, here here's the thing is like if you walk into your average comic shop again in Detroit um, the material inside uh, it is 95% of what is in there is aimed at, at us, you know, at, uh, at, so, at, totally. at, at white guys in their, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, whatever. Right. Um, uh, totally.
1: but,
0: but, but if you, if you, if you hop on a Kickstarter, right. it there There is everything. It, yep. no matter no matter mean, yep. yeah no matter who Little you are wonder. yeah no matter who you are or what your deal is what your politics are what your uh your your social uh, uh totally. deal is you will see yourself on kickstarter right and and yep. see so, so you have all these people who are used to walking in, into a comic shop and not finding themselves not not seeing anything totally. not, not, not seeing a mirror there anything that reflects them back but then you walk into Kickstarter and you, and and you see it and and um and again totally. like uh, you know, I mean, uh, what we're seeing in the comic shops, it is just, um, I mean, not just from a content standpoint or a social or political standpoint, uh, just from, from, from any number of standpoints, it is 20, 30 years. It is an old model, right, that that desperately needs to be yeah. updated. I feel like Kickstarter is, is is always on the cutting edge. We're always seeing something new. It's people trying to engage fans in a new and interesting way. And I mean, I think that's why it's been so successful.
2: Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. I, I've launched, this is now my fourth book. And I've done two games as well, and I've used you know both Indiegogo and Kickstarter um, as different platforms, and both have like pluses and minuses, and are great. And um, and they're, they're and, and I guess Zoop now is interesting too. I I, I backed Axel their John, um, which uh, looks so incredible. I'm curious to see what they become too, because I feel like oh, um, but I, feel, I I agree with you that that is become that place where you can find what you're looking for, if you will, oh, yeah. and generally speaking when you're picking something up it's not issue 297
1: of. yeah that's where it's
2: just like i mean i go into a comic shop and i've been reading them since i was a kid i make them i read comic books almost most every most every week and i go in there and i'm like i'm not really sure where to begin Yeah. you know what i mean and what that's just like it's 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 a it's unfortunate uh that's the story and i think also it comes a lot from you're you're regurgitating the same characters for, for 50 or 60 years, and so you yeah. you're lost. Whereas you know in, in manga, it's like you it, it things end, they pick something up new. In general, you know they one piece. Of, a, uh, my hero a
1: yeah. I'm spacing on the name yeah. of it, but there's a, there's a comics website that actually tracks arcs in long running comics. Wow. That- that basically goes, Batman seven hundred and ninety three starts a new arc. If you want to start reading Batman, start here, or twelve issues back here, or twenty five issues, like I think that's a really great service of like, you know what? Here's an entry point. I mean, they also list every number one for obvious reasons, but they they have a they have literally a like find the beginning of an arc. And you know, there yeah. is a the thing where you go, there's no other, it's hard. There's no other art form that is as obsessed absurdly with continuity and with preserving the fan experience of people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s now, who are like, well, I've been reading Fantastic Four since number one, and I'll be damned if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm gonna see it start over. And of course, it started over four different ways from Sunday. But nothing else is like there's not someone writing the 700th, Dorothy Gale story about Oz like the there's a handful of them people reboot that franchise left and right but it's sure. not like there's not like no we have kept this we have kept the Dracula you know uh continuity from Bram Stoker for the last 250 years and we're not letting go of it and this is Dracula number 7,590 like that it's madness and it's totally unnecessary <laughs> And it absolutely alienates new readers. And worst off, they pour the time and energy and resources into the books that are on their thousandth issue to the detriment of the new. Yeah, um, yeah. You know.
2: I agree. So it's, I agree. That's why right. it's good to be in the crowdfunding world. In fact, I, I, I've kind of shifted all my spend to the crowdfunding world. One, and I believe in indie creators, right? I just believe in, uh, in what guys are yeah. doing. I remember when goal. Ryland and I met um, you know, on that Global Comic Stream you know, last year, and I backed your books. Um, uh, what I loved the one I uh, now I think it was Jump with the guy, the um, astral projection thriller. <laughs> yeah, that's the Jump. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Jump. Um, and I, I read the issues on that. And I loved. Oh, uh, there. Thank you for bringing that up because if anybody hasn't read that, it's super cool. Um, and what and once again, it's like a fresh story. That no, probably doesn't run 500 issues. You know, it's got an arc, and um, but. St- Super cool. And I was I was in right away. Right. And uh, loved it. And I feel like that's that's the crowdfunding experience. It's so cool. Like I could get I could get that story from you. Uh, yeah. And- so,
0: yeah. So So yeah, So so we are about thirty minutes in yet, and we have not pimped your book. You have a Kickstarter oh. going right now. So let's let let, let's, yeah. let let let's go ahead and let's get the title out there. Let's tell people where to find it, and 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 then we can get continue this conversation and get into the specifics of the book. But but yeah, let's uh, sure. let, let everybody know what you're selling now because it's pretty awesome. I I was excited, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to get you on for a long time, uh, but <laughs> now it seemed like a great time because you have something to talk about, and yeah.
2: Totally, yeah. No, I know. I know we're just gabbing away. And the reason here is for the exiled. So, um, it's called the exiled. It's a a, a bit of Blade Runner meets a seven. Uh, I'm doing it with Wesley Snipes. Yes, the the man who is Blade. Um, n- not not just uh, any old folks. It's kind of amazing to get notes and feedback from Wes. Uh, to be honest, you know, to get uh, you know, to get an email back like, hey, Wes, what do you think about this page or this mm-hmm. story? And, and you get the back yum yeah, on. That's the sign that yes, it's a bit approved. And um, you know, he has a lot of interesting insight too because he approaches it from an actor, right? So he's thinking about the character. And I think you know, because the story um, is is a bit old in my repertoire. In fact, it was uh, my my partner on it, Keith Aram. We sold it to Radical Comics back when they were a thing, right? And we even had dinner at Comic Con with Wes and Antoine Fuqua, and us. Little did we know we'd do this years later. Um, and um, anyways, they fell apart, and the deal fell apart in the process. Um, but then we re-teamed back up with Wes, the three of us, and said, hey, let's do this. And he, then Wes brought it off to the table re-engineering this character and, and our story arc. Um, and so it's awesome. And so it's like you have a massive uh, celebrity who's like, I want to tell this story. Comics are fun. Um, you can make believe in a way I don't always get to on, on movie or TV roles. And so that's that's what was that was the genesis for this. That started about a year ago. And so I've been working like mad on this book, and we've launched on Kickstarter. And it's this, you know, it's, it's a sci-fi noir tale uh, set in a, you know, slightly near future after this horrifying gas attack. Um, and there is this detective Niles Roach Washington, imagine a, a grizzled Wesley, um, and um, he is starting to track what he believes is a serial killer and people the department and the world around him tells him you're just seeing things that aren't there um and it starts to destroy his home life it destroys his work life and he's a detective who's living in this heavy shadow of his father and he can't seem to get out from underneath it um and he can't seem to get out from behind his regrets either and so he goes on this 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 journey of chasing this serial killer who is you know, it's 5,000 years in the makings, this killer. And as he's digging this up, he goes to this crucible and comes out and redeems himself on the other side. But he also uncovers Earth's darkest secret. Um, and and so the tale, you know, begins in this world of chasing the serial killer and then it unravels like an onion quite dramatically. Um, and um, and I, we wanted to make this as something also too if worthy of crowdfunding, right? And 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 for me, I'm for crowdfunding. Some people like to do single issues crowdfunding, but I like to kind of give up something big and notable, so that when it comes to your house, it's like Christmas, right? So this is a 140-page book. Um, It's eight and a half by 13 inches. It's eight and a half by 13 inches. So it's a huge, oversized book. It's soft cover with a stitched binding and a ribbon, so it can lay flat. And small panels, you know, as you know, Ryan and David for making like your little panels become, you know big and um and it feels so immersive when you're in it. Um I always feel that when I get the deluxe edition of something. I'm like <gasps> or a lot of Euro comics right. are like, wow I really am in it. So so that's the so that's the offering is this incredible book. And then we said hey you know what um let's make it also something to fit in your back pocket. So there's a Go version of the story which is gray toned like a manga manga size uh, different cover uh red painted edges and it lives and it lives in your back pocket so you never get stuck in line without a book
1: um,
0: this, this is all great stuff i mean there are great lessons here we have a lot of crowdfunders that that you know listen and and watch the podcast obviously and um i mean what i love about what you do generally with your campaigns but specifically with this one is you have made it an event in a number of ways and uh yeah. and and you know you can this is what you should be doing you should be pushing the medium experimenting with the medium it's uh you know if, if you're gonna put a floppy in a comic shop it needs to look a certain way and everybody's used to that right Totally. Um, totally yeah if you, if you put something on kickstarter and you know they, they, they can go into a comic shop and get a floppy for four dollars right um maybe it's still four dollars maybe it's a little more expensive now but if you're if, if you're going to crowdfund something and you're gonna charge and you're gonna charge people twenty twenty five dollars for something, which is a normal price point. I mean, uh, you know, we've we've had the Kickstarter head of comics on. And, and And what they say, you know, as gospel is the the most common price point for anyone backing a, a Kickstarter project is twenty five dollars. So what are you gonna give somebody for their twenty five dollars? And these things you're talking about are really interesting. Let's give them a deluxe edition. Let's give them a pocket edition. Um, let let let's challenge what uh, what their perception of what a printed comic can and should be. Um, yeah. And that's that's cool, man. You know, uh, I, I, I dig it. And then and then the most important lesson I, I've uh, I, I've had Avaloni on a number of uh, uh, crowdfunding panels um, uh, at, at cons. And um and and you know again you're always trying to sort of uh, glean the lessons for the crowd right and it's like what is you know my my number one piece of advice my number one lesson uh, uh, for 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 a Kickstarter is well Avalonia has done two Kickstarters with uh with Kevin Eastman they've both done over one hundred twenty five thousand dollars so my first lesson the most <laughs> important lesson is that if you're gonna do a Kickstarter do it with Kevin Eastman right
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. or yeah. or Keanu Reeves yeah or, uh,
0: or Keanu Reeves or Wesley Snipes and uh and, and I you know again, I, I mean, I think it's so bringing an element to the table, you know, uh, 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 Wesley has a following, very enthusiastic fans. I'm one of them. uh, uh if you know, here's here's the thing is i'm gonna I'm gonna back your book no matter what, but I would back almost anyone's book if 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 Wesley had collaborated on it i I, I love his work. I know I'm gonna get something totally. quality. all these interesting something challenging so you have found somebody but also I mean what's great about it is you are bringing you're bringing other people to the table right it's like it, right. it's you know the 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 Rubik's Cube the puzzle you're always trying to solve with this is like okay well I know that my my standard fans are going to back this I know that the people who back five six seven Kickstarter books a month are going to back this how do I go beyond that well you know again like a uh, uh, somebody right. like Wesley Snipes uh, is is, is, is going to bring in new people. Somebody like Keanu Reeves brought <laughs> brought a yeah. lot of new people. new
2: people. Yeah. Totally. And I'm all about that, about the bridge building. And I think that sometimes in our world, we can get a little tribal with certain camps. And yeah. I think the exciting part about art and stories is that it, it hopefully does the opposite in life, yeah. right? It hopefully does the, has the opposite effect. Is It bridges tribes. It bridges groups of people. Uh, and I agree with you. Bringing somebody like a Wessie or a Kevin Eastman or a Keanu um, really brings brings people together in a, in a, in a, really special way. Um, you know, we're closing out this book at San Diego comic-con. We've got a booth there. My partner has, a, has had a booth there for a long time. We have a panel with Wesley Wesley's going to do a signing at the booth. And, um, um cause we are trying to figure out how do we escalate this, right? Yeah, yeah. Anymore, right? How do we escalate it beyond? And that's why I did this massive six inch figurine, um, which I met my, in my dad's, uh, office because uh, we're out of town today so i don't have it with me but it's just, you know i wanted to do once again how do i escalate it build this there's yeah. a big figurine um and um you know we are gonna have an exclusive ash can there at at uh, comic-con Great. Uh, as well and um and, and i feel like that like you're saying is like how do we make it an event at least for me it, is what i is what i really really enjoy and yeah. um and so that was kind of how we laid this all out and i think um you know my partner, Keith Aram, he's really good about seeing this. He's, the, the, he's a video game director. He did the Call of Duty franchise. Um, mm. um, he's on the on the voice side and, uh, and uh, about seeing, like, how do we escalate the scope? And so, you know, and we've been then scrambling every second to then, like, keep this thing up in the air, right, as you do with a ca- crowdfunding campaign, even to the point where what we've done is we put inside of the Kickstarter version of the book, there's going to be codes hidden inside the book that will unlock digital collectibles later oh, on. Cool. So, yeah. so it's a way to say to the backers, only you will ever get, one is this format, this cover, and then these codes that give you something that's free and fun, uh, that, that hopefully,
1: you know, that, that sort of gamifies once again, the, mm-hmm. the experience yeah. of reading the book. So I don't know if you've seen the, I, I, I found this extraordinary. On the last two Marvel Disney shows, They've started figuring out places to put QR codes in the shot. And yeah, on, I've seen it. Like on, on Moon Knight, there would be a QR code on the outside of a door in a mental hospital, and if you paused your 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 screen and shot it, it would download you that issue of Moon Knight that referred to what's in that room. And I think that's a. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of that of storytelling right. on multiple levels across multiple platforms. I did want to also carve out though, you, what were you meeting with uh, Wesley and Antoine, Antoine Foucault about way back in the oh, day? So,
2: oh, oh yeah, so what happened is we weren't specifically meeting with them. Radical was having a dinner at San Diego Comic-Con. And, and, all, and they're, all their creators were there. So it was Rick Remender, Wesley, and it sure. wasn't Antoine we were doing a book called After Dark at the time for Radical That's Comics. Right. And so that's what probably there. And it's just funny that then, you know, there was at that dinner, and then here we are, you know, well, here, like twelve here, years
1: later. The reason I bring you know, that up is I'm I'm obsessed with how poorly understood the concept of networking is. And that what it, yeah. it's not, it's not meeting people so that they can give you a job. It is making friends and forming relationships. And to me, that's the perfect totally. example of it. When this came up with Wesley a decade later or whatever, you were not a stranger to him. You were also not someone he met when you had your hat in your hand saying, Wesley, help me do a thing. You met him as the Exactly right. In a comfortable situation. He did not, when you shook his hand, he did not see dollar signs in your eyes. He just saw another human being making a connection with him. And that is what I evangelize for constantly is meet people, be their friends, You never know, as I've said a million times, when when Kevin Eastman sat down next to me in a bar in Emerald City Comic-Con, given what I have worked on and what he has worked on, the idea that me and the Ninja Turtles guy were going to make a comic book together in three years was so far from my mind it was beyond the orbit of Pluto. Like, it it would not have ever occurred to me that our interests and – and careers would overlap and it's you know, just a, just a nice, a nice guy. Let's, you know, I'll, I'll talk to this guy about comics we read when we were kids. Uh, so you never yeah. know. And just, you know, so you're, you, you be, you know, to quote to Bill and Ted, you be awesome to everybody, you know, and, and. That's right. And it's a, and it's a long game, right?
2: It's a yep. long game with it because you're doing things and you're working and you're laying groundwork and you're keeping touch with the people you've worked with people you meet and then when moments organically occur, then they really come together in a nice way. I agree. It's the hat and hand guy who's like, "This networking thing never works." It's like, bro, it's because uh, you know, if somebody was tapping on your shoulder saying, "Hey, could you give me some cash?" You don't like him either. And so it's—I uh, I think that's really yeah, and- a, a great example of it playing off that—that that many
1: years later. Or so. Yeah, it's the most flattering thing in the world. But it was Kevin who said to me, "You know, there's this project I've got kicking around that I've been looking for a writer for, and maybe we could work on that together." No and of course, internally I jumped up and down and went, "Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit!" Uh, because of course I did. But externally, I went, "Yeah, that's Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that over drinks, and uh, you know, send me your notes, and we'll we'll see where it goes." But uh, but yeah, I just I wanted to carve out that moment of yeah yeah you you know you had dinner in a group with other people. And honestly, that is where the magic happens. And that is why you, you know, that is why you go to cons. I always say it's a community. Be in the community, be a part of the community. Someone, you know, I remember the last time I was at New York Comic Con, I was walking down Artist Alley and Matt Wagner was at a table and he went, Hey, David. And my wife whispered to me, Feels pretty good, doesn't it? And I said, Yeah. Yeah, that feels really fucking great that Matt Wagner of all people was like, Hey man, how are you? Hey, and that's yeah, because he's cons for a couple of years, so he knows who I am. I found out later that he had read something of mine which was also astonishing to me considering, you know, I was reading Mage and when I was a college student and all that. But anyway, that's yeah. just, I just wanted to I wanted to hit that note because I think it's an important note. Totally. So yeah. The other, the other thing no. I'll say about backing a lot is another note i liked it backing a lot of kickstarters to me the best thing about it is i i forget everything that i've backed and it becomes this sort of i feel like i have a subscription to kickstarter that i forget i have and once a week i get a package and go oh what the hell is this and i open it and go oh yeah this thing this looked interesting i can read this now and i never like you back enough of if you back enough things, you back a couple of things a week, a couple of things a month, you totally – it goes out of your mind. Sometimes they have them right away. Sometimes it takes them a year to produce it. And just you get this rolling supply of new totally. ex- exciting comics that just show up in your mailbox. No, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm actually awesome. in that
2: same camp too. I'm in that yeah. same camp too because I'm backing three to five books a month, and there's the, the machine has begun. Oh, yeah. over this last year it's like there's always something coming in and it's that Christmas feeling right and like yeah, totally. and, and that's what I want to create with this with the Exile. is that people feel like Christmas morning you open it up and it's like whoa check this out and there's that 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 moment that when it comes out of the package that it feels oh, satisfying yeah. and you flip through the pages you know my artist on this is this guy Gabriel uh Esquivo Santos he goes by Esquivo and um speaking of that networking you know um He's a essentially generally new to the new to the game. Um, initially my partners in West were like, hey, we should get some industry veteran to do the art. And so I reach out to a bunch of guys and just they're all in contracts or not available or and right. it's 140 pages, so it's a heck of an ask, right? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. You're you're on this for nine months. You, yeah. And think, nothing yeah. else.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. So it's it's a big thing. And so but he and I had been doing this ash can for this other story, and I loved working with him. I loved his art. And so I the cover art I had yeah, I had him do the cover image, and I presented it to Wes, and he's like, "Love that guy. Let's go with this guy, right?" And not because he's ignorant of it, but the, you know, this artist or that artist doesn't necessarily mean a, a ton to him so much as what it looks, and feels right. like, right? Yeah. And um, and so now here he is at 26, and he's getting to do a book, and Wesley Snipes is holding up his art on on uh, on his on his posts and tweets, saying, "Hey, look at how cool this is," and you know. It yeah. worked for him. Like he came in. he did this small asking with me. We didn't have a lot of money. Uh, he came in. he worked hard and delivered, not knowing that it would then be that he's now, you know, doing something that was that it couldn't be more exciting. And his family's emailing him every day. Ah, you're doing yeah, this no, cool thing. And 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 I agree that that's, uh, you know that's the game that we play in this. You know, is um is you know trying to collect the honest people because I think the thing about that is is the honest people. Then there really is organic networking that comes mm-hmm. forward, right? There's some people are quite disingenuous that you could kind of steer clear of, but for the honest folks out there, it come it comes full circle because they, oh, yeah.
1: they it comes full circle, yeah. And you and you maintain a list of the dishonest people when you hear the stories, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you want to work with? And you go, nope, they're on the list. Not gonna, not gonna. Work. Yeah. It's it's an interesting element, and I often talk about it when in the feature film world with casting because it's the same thing. If Wesley Wesley Snipes is starring in your film, his co-star doesn't necessarily have to be another massive movie star because you've got Wesley Snipes. And it's an opportunity. I'm always I'm always disappointed when someone makes a, a you know a mid-budget film and everybody in the cast is a B or C level. It's like, you know, you had an opportunity here. Once you got whoever, once you got Julia Roberts, whatever, right. Anyone, any struggling actor who's great could have played this part and this part and this part, you had an opportunity to bring someone in. And I frequently dip into, I have a lot of artists that I love and love working with. And the good news is I can't afford some of them now. Julius Oda, who did Betty yeah. Page with me, he's doing Marvel. Marvel Marvel are no fools. They saw our Betty Page yeah. comics and went, holy shit, that guy's amazing. And now I, uh, you well, know, that's... I can't really afford to work with him again. Yeah, it was something that, was something, something that, yeah. get more, you can always find more artists. You know? Yeah,
0: I, I mean, something that Tony Scott always did really well. You know, you, you look back at those Tony Scott movies and, and, you know, look at Enemy of the State. I mean, like the 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 twelfth, thirteenth guy on the uh, on the call sheet is a that guy now, you know, and yeah. they weren't they were they weren't that guys back then, you know. You're like, oh my god, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, oh wow, uh, Scott Kahn was was the uh, you know was the fifteenth built person in this movie, you know. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite TV show uh, from the '80s is Crime Story, yeah. and that was, that had one of the greatest Michael Mann's casting people are notoriously yeah. great. And yeah. if you watch that yeah. show, every guest star, you're like, "Oh, Julia yeah. Roberts, yeah, yeah, doing a guest star." <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Christian yeah. Slater has three lines as a teenager that found a dead yeah. body. You know, yeah. everyone who yeah, walks know, in the room, right? you're like, "Oh, that's yeah. a." Lorraine Bracco just got kidnapped yeah. by a gangster, and she has two lines in this episode. And it's always yeah. just like, you know, you're dealing with good people when they could see the Oscar, the future Oscar winner, yeah. in the room full of nobody's you know yeah. and uh and i think and you know i think the same goes with casting the the creative team of a comic book um and and as you said that whole thing about doing small projects with people that aren't about money and it you know you do it because you do it and then it becomes a, you know it becomes a more serious partnership when you when you both climb the ladder. Uh, Sylvia Califano, Uh, the artist on Elvira in Horrorland. I asked her to do an eight-page thing for an anthology because I loved her work on Star Trek for IDW. And she did it for an embarrassingly low rate. And the next time we were starting up a new Elvira book, I said to Dynamite, this woman is amazing. And she got a Kickstarter special out of that. And that led to a five-issue series that she's doing now. I'm planning Ah, another- planning another comic with her. That'll probably be another five ish, you know? So it's like, I think I've paid her rent for the entire calendar year of 2022 because she did this cheap ass job for me last year and it came out great, and we had a great time working together. And, uh, that's, I always say the only thing more satisfying than getting a job is giving one, you know, is, I I think, I think you're, I think you're right about that. It's,
2: it's truly satisfying. It's really, really fun to do that. Um, and you know, it's been fun also too, just the different artists we brought in to do some of these trading cards, our stretch goals. Mm-hmm. So we're in this stretch goal land, right? Which I think is another fun part about crowdfunding is like, what are you gonna drop, right? And so we're doing trading cards, which also have hidden codes tucked into them. We've got a metal bookmark. And so each artist that's doing a card also brings something fun to the table, right? And it's like you're saying, it's fun to give that job out. Uh, Tyrell Cannon um, did our first card, it was awesome. And um, uh, Clayton Barton did another, beautiful card for us and my um and there's just it's really fun to to like give that job out right and to see what they create. And I think that's one thing I've loved about this experience is that we're we're deep in this sci-fi noir world with this city that's its own character and it's treacherous and dark and deep and twisted. And you know we've been in it for ages. And then you pass that idea to another artist and they pop out a, an image for a card, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at least for me that's one thing I love also too is then you get now this other little collectible item that comes with this book, right? And it's a, a new artist's expression of what, of what is your original thing. Um, and that's a rad, that's rad, uh, because it's a new expression without it taking over the story, right? I think sometimes, um, <clears throat> yeah, there was this book, 10 grand that, um, Ben templestith was drawing halfway through, he left it and another artist finished. Uh, I lost interest in the book after that changeover um i love ben temple so that once his art kind of left I the story just didn't it didn't work for me and um and so that part i don't love but i do love it when then another artist interprets their work along mm-hmm. the way right so that it's it's get it gets to see a new realization of them um but with the campaign also i think what what's um an exciting thing is that um we built this ultimate edition of the book as well, too, and uh, which is, you know, it's just It's just going to be this metallic um, case that folds. It has all the books in it. It's going to have them all signed by Wesley, and Wesley signs nothing. Like he hasn't signed anything in years, right? Uh, he, he's like, and so it's like it took some clawing away to get his signatures on all the books on the casing. Um, and it'll have the San Diego Comic Con ashcan, and they're signed. All these really fun, exclusive things um, that that bring it back to like this is why a Kickstarter, and this is why the Exile. I'm going to get a touch Wesley in a unique way. I'll be, I've signed it to, and you know the artist as well. But I'm not confused. No one's paying money for for my autograph. Um, um, <clears throat> but it, it's it's an exciting thing to feel like I've got I'm holding this piece of this story in my hands and a piece of Wesley. Um, and it was interesting because we did these immortal offerings for the book, where it was you know pretty high dollar price point. It was twelve hundred. You get drawn into the book, but not just like drawn in and you're in a background character. Drawn in and you say a line. Somebody says your name, so you're a tangible piece of the history. And those went out in the first hour or two. Of the yeah, I saw today. that. You
1: got t- you got ten of those, and that's wow. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We did a couple of those in drawing <laughs> blood, and it and it worked out. And the funny thing was we had one sort of semi-major character not cast yet oh uh, interesting it was like a young beautiful woman and a friend of mine who's a young beautiful woman pledged for one of those draw me into the comic things and I sent her picture to the artist and went uh so my friend Gretchen paid to me in the book how about we use her for this character and he was like yeah, sure. So now she's going to be in 12 issues of this thing. Like, you know, the character isn't going to be in one scene and go away, you know, so you never know. A friend, a, another guy paid to have his cat drawn into the book. And again, the cat yes. didn't pay that again for the second campaign, but it's like, yeah, but the cat <laughs> still has the cat, you know, like the, the cat's still going to be in the room. I can't like not have the cat just because the guy didn't pay me the second time, you know, so it's funny. Yeah, but I,
2: think, but I think that that's But that's a way that, that, that once again, it's the approachable nature of it. Um, And I think that there's things like Whatnot is a cool platform because it creates direct interaction with people like Mm Kickstarter does, right? Mm -hmm. And like that idea that you're now in the book and you're a piece of history and like you have the ultimate bragging rights. um, What a cool exclusive experience um, to to have happen. And it's funny that yours went from that journey. Um, And I think that that's, as we've been uh, developing that campaign, I think that's what's been most active from the backers is like how can they get become a become a part of it. Um, and, and so uh, we're we're um, we're unlocking crazy stretch goals, we're gonna have a big blood at San Diego Comic Con. And I think, you know, one thing also too I think I uh, was commenting out in the book is you know the, the color sometimes can be underestimated in the comic industry. Especially because manga does so well without colors, right? <clears throat> um, but that value um, that- Valentina Biancone, who is our colorist, she's an Italian um, colorist. You know, um, she uh, it brings a sort of Euro feel to the book, right? And it, so it doesn't it doesn't feel like a strict classic comic. And i I think I like that, right? It's also catering to more an exclusive experience, and also creating you know, some of a more mature themed book and and for the person who's not a purveyor of people in capes. Um, and I just yep. um. And I think that that um, developing that color side of it as well too, as you can see on the, the campaign page, the way she her she uses her reds, um, and the way this city comes to life and these characters and these colors because it evokes such a mood, and um, and I I I, um, I love what that uh, what that does for building our, our world here of the exiled, and uh, so this a our… Our creative team there's Keith, myself, Wes, Esquivo, and Valentina. I and I, you know, I letter my own books. No, um, oh. it's um, I, I do all the lettering. I do it in Clip Studio. I do the whole thing. I wrote it. I draw. All, it's all hand lettered. I write, draw all the sound effects, etc. Um, and it's my last. I once I started doing that, I I could never hire another letterer because then I can always rewrite my book all the way to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can make yeah. the creative decision to omit lines, shift lines in a ways a letterer can't make.
1: Yeah. I know, and, I know a um, lot of, we know a lot of writers who, uh, more writers than I would think yeah. uh, who, who do it. Cause uh, well, I, I, generally, I,
0: think
1: yeah, I, I use working with a letter letterer yeah. myself to like, imp, to impose a certain amount of discipline and letting it go at a certain point. Yeah. It's like, no, sure. that was the final letter. And you know, I'll get a lettering proof back and go like, I now hate that line. I'm sorry to bug you, but please take that out. Okay. But, uh, but I totally, I totally get, and I have thought about teaching myself lettering for that. Well, right.
0: we, 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 yeah, we, we had John Layman on for the first time. We, yeah. we didn't talk to him about Batman. We talked to him about lettering.
1: <laughs> yeah. You
0: know? I mean, yeah.
2: I think it's such a creative expression and it's like, And in a way, it's the way that you actually stamp yourself into your book, right? you letter it, and it's a way that, like, you made something. Because as a writer, you know, in in Hollywood, if you just write, you don't make things. And if you just write a comic book, you don't make the physical thing. Mm -hmm. And and for me, it's like making the physical thing is what crosses the line into why I do it, right? Because I I made it. I pre-pressed it. I laid it out. Um, I, you know built the title worked, you know d- uh, hand lettered the the effects, and so it, it's it's a piece of you in it in a way that isn't a piece of you in it through someone else. Sure. It, it's it's seen as you made it, and you know as rather, I'm sure you know this, David, you know this ton as you write movies, a, and you your your hand is one step away a director does it with this actor sure. who delivers your line. And in this way, it's the only way you can deliver your line. That doesn't mean everybody needs to do it, but it's a skill set that if you have, if you have a decent gra- graphic design aesthetic and understanding, you can certainly pick it up in a realistic amount of time. I don't say that about art. Art is not a realistic yeah. thing you can pick up. That's yeah. that's not that's an illusion. That's that's not real. It takes years of really yeah. really really focused energy to become a graphic artist. That's not something you pick up. But lettering yeah. is something you can acquire in a modest amount of time to make it yeah. worth it. So that's my pitch to letter yeah, your I, own book. I,
0: right? I, I, I yeah yeah. I mean I, I agree. I mean, Clip Studio
2: is only fifty bucks. Clip Studio is only yeah. fifty bucks, and you can do anything in it.
0: Doing it doing it yourself is is a great way to have total control. I think at the very least you need a letterer who is going to work with you on all of this stuff. There are these there are these grizzled. Uh, in the clock, letterers who are like, "Fuck you! You get one pass." <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, if if, if you want to change a comma, here's the bill. Um, there's all that stuff, and you know, it, it's it, it's fine. And I understand if you're if you're lettering five million things in a month, then you got to do that. Those letterers aren't for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I have a uh, I have a really good letterer. You know who who's been nominated for for you know a Ringo Award for his work with me. And we work very closely oh, cool. together and I, I, I am very respectful of him, but he knows that, you know, when I get that letterproof back, I'm going to be like, this doesn't quite work. Can, can, can we mess with this a little bit? Can we kick this down to the next panel? Can we, there's yeah. going to be a certain measure of that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm I'm doing the things you're talking about without having to actually execute them myself. And sometimes it's a lot. And sometimes I'm like, Hey man, you know, here's, here's some more cash for your time. Me, uh, you know, here, 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 here's this, here's here's that. But um, but we have come to this agreement and, and 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 it's an agreement that could only be come to because we've worked together over time. I've worked with the same letter my entire career, you know, and it's not that I haven't tell worked with other people. But he and I have an understanding. I know I can go to him. Yeah. And we we have such a shorthand also where where it's like I I I don't even I don't even need to explain shit. I can just be like, this panel, give me a number one. This panel, give me a number six. You know what I'm saying? That's oh, the yeah, uh, totally. yeah that, that's valuable. And so I think you need that. I mean, I think that um I mean I it, Well it,
1: I
2: what I often say, and I say this to Esquivo, my artist, right? And one reason why I really can look up to Daniel Warren Johnson, uh one of my I think Ian the Heron are the best in the game right now is that they always make the choice that makes the best image, but is oftentimes the hardest way to draw it. Yeah. And so I think that when I'm my own lettering, I can say, what's the coolest way to do that sound yeah. effect? Oh, you're gonna have to roto out all these characters, roto out all the bits of brick following fa- through. You're gonna have to paint that thing and twist, twist that, but it will be the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it that way. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, there is something about being able to make that, kind of choice i think you know my artist is Skevo. i'm like when we're doing the pages he's like my question is what's the best way that not the what's the way that gets it done what's the way that gets it the best um and like those composition choices are hard to make as an artist because it's like great now you've got all this 3d perspective work you've got to deal with and uh you know you've got you've got this new angle that has a complex display of the city but that was the best way to do it uh, or at least the best way you could perceive
1: um, so. yeah, no, and, anyway, you know, I'll leave it at that,
2: um, my soapbox on lettering, but I love it, and I love uh, being able to make comics.
1: Out I, I know there are a couple of things in this world that I know I'm bad at. One of them is graphic design. I'm good at giving <laughs> okay. notes on excellent graphic design, but it's, it's not my main thing. And as a filmmaker, it was sound. Uh, I need a good sound. Guy. To, to me, it's almost like they're the same thing. You know, in comics, you know, that's your, that's your sound. And I could sit in a bay and someone would play me three different versions of something. And I'm like, I think B is better than A and C, but man, that is just not my number one thing. I will say though, that one of the, to me, one of the strengths of coming from film, television, to comic books is being used to the post-production pipeline. And being used yeah. to sitting in a bay with a colorist and going this not that that not this, and totally. knowing knowing how to write, uh, I won't break my arm patting my own back. But the the number <laughs> of times I get art back and it looks exactly like I thought it was going to look in a in the best way, uh, and if things have been changed, they've been improved. Um, right. Makes me feel like okay. I know how to write a panel description because the artist read it and drew the thing that I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing, I think with color, the more you have a, if you have the vocabulary and a lot of writers who come just from writing, but have had no experience with sitting in a color bay or sitting in a sound like the, the more experience you have and you can say, this is the language I need. like as a film, totally. as a film person, you I can am tell
2: a, that like the, the blue content is what's creating this right effect yeah. versus the red versus the green. And that you can
1: actually give the notes. I I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. As a film maker, I'm very obsessed with the music scoring part of it. And I remember I was producing sure. a movie with a composer is now a very good friend of mine. And the, the director and writer were in the room with us. And I said, there was a MacGuffin in it called the Kungtu Zangpho. And I said, I think we need a Kungtu Zangpho motif, fanfare, but we don't need to go all Cross of Coronado with it. And he laughed and they <laughs> stared at us. And the composer went, if you see Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, John Williams almost comically plays the same exact piece of music every time someone sees the Cross of Coronado. So I knew that's yeah. what he meant because we have the shared language of being film score obsessive. So we know how clunky yeah. that is in Indiana Jones and the last crusade, but having that kind of rapport and language and saying, give me this, don't give me that. The next issue that's coming of Elvira mistress of the dark, um, Elvira in Horrorland, I didn't need to tell the colorist I'm pretty sure it wasn't in my script. The first 19 pages is a Kubrick satire. It's the shining sure it's the last page sure. is the last page is a scene from alien yeah. the first 19 pages have this fairly bright poppy color screen I turn the page to Ridley Scott and it's this desaturated grim no bright colors and I love that I didn't have to tell him that you know it I would have been right. happy to tell him knew that but Walter Perea who did the color was like right totally different. Now we're in this world and the color is right to create the feeling of a Ridley Scott movie is very different than to create the feeling of a Stanley Kubrick movie. So that whole, all that to say, it's just like the job of comic book writer is conveying all of that information to your team. And the more talented they are, the like as an example with lettering, there's a issue of Betty, page where she's in England and it's literally the title of the issue is on her majesty's secret service or something like it was a pun right. on on her majesty's secret service i didn't have to tell taylor esposito who's one of the best letters in the business that i wanted the british flag inside the letters you know like he's seen totally. the bond movie he knows what those opening credits look like i don't have to, i don't have to tell him that's the font i, right. I want uh, yes. right, uh, right, right, but right. again and that's all about the you know the coordination of everyone's efforts to produce the best thing you know but like you tell know me. to wrap up i definitely i have been tempted to do the the lettering thing because i totally get it as a like but then i haven't told the very last minute you know i'm the last person yeah, who exactly hands right. it's going to go through you know but uh, but yeah well we're, it was great to talk to you we should we should probably wrap up but uh, tell people Thanks, where yes, they can find i appreciate it and, uh, where they can find you online Yes, you can find The Exiled,
2: you know, going to the Kickstarter homepage, typing in The Exiled. You can also find it at bit.ly backslash The Exiled, all lowercase. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter handle, which is at Gifted Co. Also on my Instagram, which is also Gifted Rebels. Um, you can find me there. and Everything all leads back to The Exiled right now. So you can't interact with me without finding sure. your way there. Um but David and Rylan, thanks for having me on. It's super great to chat with you guys. Oh.
1: And um, um appreciate the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was our pleasure. Ryland, uh, tell us where uh, people can find you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before we sign off, a little nerd out. So, so huge Snipes fan, as I said. Uh, one of my top 10 yeah. favorite movies ever is, is Major League. And uh, you see my room full of craziness here. I know, again, like for the listeners. <laughs> I love you it. You can't see my room full of craziness. But if you head to YouTube. Um, and so I have a lot of interesting, weird movie memorabilia stuff. And one of my most prized possessions is this Louisville slugger that was made for one Wesley Snipes, uh, during, during the filming of major league. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. No and so, way. Yeah. Will, Willie Mays Hayes. It's one of my, uh, one of my most, uh, prized possessions It has, uh, if, if you're not watching the video, it is a, a powerized Louisville slugger, uh, professional model that has, uh, 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 Wesley's, uh, name burnt into it. Um, so, uh, yeah! Uh, wow! Yeah one, my, yeah, one of the many cool things I have laying around the office here, but I'm a huge fan, so I am going to be uh, first in line <laughs> at the uh, at the <laughs> at, at, at the booth at Comic Con, uh, 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 trying to get uh, Wesley to sign a baseball for me because I think he is the only yes, person sir, sir. who has not signed my uh, my Major League cast uh, uh, baseball. I have Sheen, I have uh, Burnson. I have uh, anyone and everyone, Wesley has not signed it. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to buy my, uh, my my copy of the book. I've already bought my copy of the book on uh, on um, uh, Kickstarter, but I will buy my afghan. And hopefully Wesley will, t- will, uh, will, even though he doesn't sign a lot of stuff, hopefully he will sign my baseball. But... He's,
2: he's, he's going to sign 60. He's going to sign 60 there. There will be a signing, that he signed 60. So but I'll see what I can do to help stack the deck. Yeah. To make that a reality yeah. for you. Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, You and I might have to get together on the side and see if we can slip it to Wesley. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: we can do uh, that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, see, I'm already, I'm already. <laughs> there
1: angry. are 59 slots available uh, for signing <laughs> that. Uh, at yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. See, there are 59 uh, yeah. reserved for the general public.
0: Yeah, but, but. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but memorabilia and geek out aside, I am uh, on all forms of social media at Rylan Grant. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always have to spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it, and so now I have to spell it for you. Um, But uh, my books, I'm going to lean over and grab them here. Uh, The Ringo Award-winning Aberrants, the four-time Ringo-nominated Banjax, and the uh, Tokusatsu Romp, Suicide jockeys are available in fine comic shops everywhere and via Amazon and you know wherever you get your your reading material. My Kickstarter books, the uh, Astral Projection Thriller that Adam was talking about, The Jump, and my Fargo West crime drama, The Peacekeepers, those are available right now via my Backer Kit site. If you go to the jump2.backerkit.com, that's the jump one word and the number two, the jump2.backerkit.com. You can get those there, as well as signed copies of Aberrant and Bam Jacks and Suicide Jockeys and Rare Con Variants and all that good stuff. Uh, one-stop Rylan Grand Shop, so check it out. And uh, my latest and greatest, the uh, Wuxia Kung Fu Epic Fa-Shang Origins, if you go to the Immortal Studios website uh, right now, if you missed the Kickstarter. Most of you did not miss the Kickstarter, but if you missed it, uh, immortal-studios.com uh, and check that out. You can grab your copy there. What do you got, Avaloni?
1: And I can be found most easily at uh, my website. Grandpa has a website, dot com that forks off to all of the social medias and the, the various rant, r- ravings of a, of a disordered mind. I have another podcast called uh, Pulp Today where I read from classic uh, paperback novels and talk about them a little bit. And uh, I will be doing two or three panels at San Diego Comic-Con, so keep an eye out for those in your programs. Uh, hopefully they remember to bold face my name so you can find them easily. Um, that's it for this exciting episode of pulp today, pulp today. There you go. Talking about it of of the writer's block. I'm actually behind. I need to record some more. Uh, thank you for joining us for the writer's block. Thank you so much, Adam, for, for being with us today. And totally a pleasure.
2: Totally a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. If you're watching us on
0: YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block.
2: For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for
0: listening.